It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Man City Show. John Stavlin standing in the company of uh, three city stalwarts. Uh, Stephen Allwise, uh, who has his own uh, blog, of course. Uh, uh, Steve Cox, regular guest and occasional host of this show. And Spencer Dubson, who uh, I describe as a money man, but a uh, city, city fan first and foremost, I guess. Absolutely. On the agenda today, I thought we'd talk about the Palace game, obviously. Uh, our prospects in the Champions League. We've got Atalanta, of course, uh, on Tuesday. Question of whether or not we should boo or not the UEFA uh, anthem um, in view of recent events. And, all right, come on, admit it. Were you, were you shouting for Stratford United last night? I'll confess I was at one point. What about you? Let's kick off with the Palace game. Uh, Spencer, what do you make of it? Well, I, of course, thoroughly enjoyed the game. I must say, going into that game, there was a sort of uh, a mild trepidation. I'm not going to put it more than that. But, you know, we wanted to see our boys back on song. There was an element of doubt, uh, which we're very much not used to. Um, But from the moment that the game started, I thought we really clicked into gear really well. We were passing it smoothly. We were passing it elegantly. Uh, And 10 minutes in, I thought... We are collectively on it, uh, and I started to sort of relax into the game. And uh, obviously, we'll talk about how it all panned out. But sure. uh, I think I think we played really well. Uh, Steve Cox, I thought I thought it was champagne soccer. Some reservations. We'll come to those in a tick. But champagne soccer, for, certainly in the first half, wasn't it? It was probably the most one-sided two-nil game I've seen for quite some time. Um, Crystal Palace didn't really get near the ball for long periods of time. I, I think. Rodri and Fernandinho at the back seem to give us the ability to bring the ball out really comfortably. And, and I think that, you know, we just looked like a team that was never going to lose that game at the weekend. Stephen? Yeah, I think it was our best performance for a while. Um, going into the game, given the form that we've had recently, the centre-back issues, Palace away, we know is a tough game. I think we just looked so in control, never seemed to panic. And the fact, actually, that we had Fernandinho and Rodri at the back meant that the midfield and attack were all in their best positions, all playing well, and we could have scored a lot more than two. 
I'd, I'd like to come to Rodri and Fernandinho in just a tick, but first of all, tick, looking at the bigger picture, yes, 2-0, but I'm playing devil's advocate a bit, but start with you, Spencer. A lot of missed chances. Well, our man Raheem, you know, I cannot criticise him, I have to say. I mean, he should have had at least a couple, shouldn't he? Uh, we smack the bar with another one. Um, I, I just think it's football is one of those things. He gets in the positions, he scores the goals. I, for one, will not be criticising Raheem. And actually, even at 2-0 down, and even when Edison tipped that, that rocket onto the bar, which was a world-class save at a crucial moment of the game, I, in my gut, didn't feel we were other than going to win that game. I'm going to name drop a bit here because I had a chat with Franny Lee uh, well, several months ago now talking about Raheem and he said the trouble with Raheem is if he's in front of goal and he's got time to think about yeah. it, you've yeah. had it. <laughs> yeah. If he just acts instinctively, he'll score. And yeah. he's got a point, hasn't he? I mean, if you look at the... Uh, if you, I, I'm not, I don't have a sort of photographic memory, but that's my impression of, of Raheem. He I mean, a, a brilliant point. player, great lad yeah. and all that sort of stuff, but yeah. just, just occasionally, just leave you with that impression. Well, absolutely right, yeah, true. Um, but, you know, if he was a, an Aguero-style finisher, then he would be probably at the very top, if not at the top, of the sort of Messi-esque type of, uh, of, of world scoring because he scores a lot of goals, he misses a fair share. But overall, I think you cannot criticise too much because he has such a wide skill set elsewhere in his game. That's maybe the one small missing element in an otherwise top five world-class talent. And staying with the misses, Stephen, uh, what, what was uh, Jesus doing when, when he, passed, he failed to pass to De Bruyne and instead had to crack himself towards the end? He was being a greedy striker. Um, he's probably aware That's all good strikers that, are. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, he, he knows that he needs goals to, and performances to stay in the team. So, I, obviously, he should have squared the ball and De Bruyne gave him a rollicking afterwards. But actually, his performance was excellent. Jesus, he looked really oh, lively, yeah. really bright, um, carried on his form from Brazil. Um, and he gives us maybe a bit more energy um, in the forward line. Aguero is just capable of moments of brilliance and, and is probably more clinical. But Jesus, I think, needed a big game and, and produced a big performance. I thought he was brilliant. I thought, I thought it was a, a, a toss-up between him and David Silva for man of the match, quite frankly, because he, he works his socks off, doesn't he? And, and although his goal was... Slightly fluky. The, I mean, hit him rather than he headed it. But you know, having said all that, he was always a threat to me. To me. Mm. And I just wonder, uh, Steve, if you know about that that incident where he should he should have scored and he, he should have passed rather than score, uh, attempt to score. I wonder if the pressure of being, as it were, Aguero's deputy gets to him in that sense. He thinks I've got to score another goal. I've got to get level with, on goals with, with Aguero. I think that probably is part of it. I would argue that the other part of it with Jesus is he's still very young. He's not quite... Because he's not been playing as part of the team quite so fluidly for more... He's not quite got that team ethic yet. He sometimes can be that little bit greedy. Aguero has learned over time in those positions to actually square the ball to the persons in the best position to actually score. And I think that's that's what Jesus needs to learn. He will do, eventually. But I think in, in this occasion, it, it didn't quite, didn't quite do it. And I, it does worry me that sometimes it can cost, something like that can cost us a game. You look at the Norwich game where yeah. really we, we were spanking them most of that game. We'd allowed two goals to go in through stupid defensive situations. And, and it, it actually cost us because we couldn't overhaul yeah. them. And that one goal could have been all the difference. Spencer's Sp- bursting again. No, absolutely true. I would say it was his 50th goal for City, yes. I think, in all yeah. competitions. Yeah. I don't know what his stats are, but I don't reckon he's played more than 
60, 70 starts. I'll be corrected on that. He actually is amongst... I read... I'm showing off now. He scores a goal every 108 minutes, which is... Uh, Which is right I, there. I, I mean, I, Grant, I, I think that's about Sergio's stat. Granted, I, Sergio's played about yeah. 500 odd games. I think, I think I saw a stat of, of the players who've scored more than 50 goals, or it was something, you know, the players yes. who scored the most goals the in the paper. last year. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the seventh best goals per minute ratio. The problem is, Sergio's got one of the top six. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a brilliant choice for us to have. But, um, but I think he was given, he's been consistently given a bit of a hard time, slightly derived from the fact that it's Sergio's number two who wouldn't, uh, you know, get that sort of uh, uh, criticism. But I think it's a little bit about time we really accepted him, as I have really for a long, quite a while, as a fundamental part of our squad and, and, as, a, and as a quality goal scorer. And don't forget, he's, you know, Brazil's number one. He's, he's the yeah. first choice centre forward for Brazil. But he, he did, in, in that situation, he did for me what I used to be annoyed at David Silva for doing. There were times when I thought, David, shoot, David, shoot, shoot, David, you will score, you'll shoot. You know, whereas Jesus was, I've got to shoot, I've got to shoot, rather than pass. <laughs> ah, hang on a minute, De Bruyne is in this yeah. really good position over there, let's pass. And I realise it happens in a fraction of a second, but sometimes I think it's about the maturity of a player, seeing the picture of what's happening around them without necessarily having to look, being aware of the fact that De Bruyne has made this run. It was a break from the back. De Bruyne had made a run, and he'd run like hell to get down there. Yeah. The ball had been played. But it, it was just the wrong decision at the wrong time. Mm. But he'll grow up and he'll get out of that, I think. Yeah, it's a good, it's good to have there, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. Sure. He's a brilliant player. OK, let's come on to the defensive, central defensive pairing. I got, I got to Selhurst Park, uh, and I, just as I arrived there, I looked at my phone, I saw the team selection, and not for the first time in my life, I said, what? You know, I thought, where's the centre half? Where's the recognised centre half? Sub, yeah. yeah, and the number of times I've said that, or the equivalent to that, about Pep Guardiola's selection, and a number of times I've been proved completely wrong. Uh, it, it, this, is another, this is another of those occasions. Your view, uh, Stephen, on on that pairing? Uh, would, would would you have thought them automatic choice for given the circumstances we're in for that role? In the circumstances. I don't really think we had many options. Um, I mean, people will say maybe Eric Garcia, who, who's done well in his cup appearances, but I don't think Palace away with the pace of Zaha or the threat potentially of Benteke was the right place to blood him. And actually, if Otamendi wasn't fit and Stones was only capable of a few minutes off the bench, there weren't many options. They weren't tested a lot. They looked very secure, both of them, good on the ball. Rodri, obviously, with his height back there. If you're a Palace supporter, or even you know Hodgson with his tactics, you can understand pre-match thinking, we're going to defend deep, try and do what Norwich and maybe Wolves have done and, and just you know, limit the spaces. And if you get a counter-attack, go for it. When you saw that team, you just thought, maybe they've got a chance to play on the front foot a touch more and actually try to exploit any weakness or vulnerability at the back for City. And they didn't. And that played into our hands. And it meant that we just had possession and control and we never really looked threatened. I was very impressed by both of them, but I always am. I think Fernandinho and Rodri are both terrific footballers, uh, Steve. But, you know, are we getting a bit, ex- too, bit too excited? I mean, Steve made a very valid point. They weren't pushed that hard, were they? No, they weren't. But if you had two players, if, you, if, you, if there were two players that you had to rely upon when you had nobody else to pick from to put in that position, they are probably two of the best firefighters that we actually have in that mm. they tend to have this sixth sense of being able to spot danger and get to the right place at the right time to do something about it. And even when Palace did press a couple of times, 
they were the guys that were getting in the way. They were making the blocks, they were making the tackles. I think the one point when Rodri slipped, and actually I have to pick up Sterling, yeah, rat- he had just back. been a track back Zaha, from yeah, the really, other end of the pitch really and made a yeah. really good, well-timed tackle, which is not something I thought he had in his locker box. But no. actually, I, I think Rodri had read that pass. He I had, remember yeah. watching it there and he yeah. moved wider and he dropped deeper to cut off the angle and he yeah. was there and he just slips, which you can't do a lot about. Mm. I wonder, uh, Spencer, I mean, I know we've got a crisis, but I wonder where all this or Saturday's performance by Rodri and Fernandez leaves John Stones. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've just said it was coming back from injury, haven't we? Um, Rodri looked absolutely rock solid. Um, and you do have thoughts about Pep and what he did with Mascherano and, you know, all these sorts of things. Um, I would believe that Rodri will go back to his natural position and so will Fernandinho in due course. Um, but um, the, the question is maybe Fernandinho or Otamendi at centre back? Because Stones, yeah. you'd imagine, would come in yeah. when fit. So, as, as Laporte, when he comes back, you mean for the next couple of months, how yeah. to bridge that yeah. gap? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did wonder why Stones wasn't on the pitch, because if you're a sub, are well, you if you're really fit, only you're capable, fit. especially with a defender, because you don't bring a defender on after 60 minutes, do you? No. You know, he's might, on or he's not might, on. Might have, might have been match fitness, though, I guess. That's the thing. There's, there's a difference between being fit to play mm. and being fit to play 90 minutes, I guess, and that might have been Pep's thinking but on that. What's your overall impression of Stones? I mean, mine's, I'm, the jury's out a little bit for me. I mean, I, I thought mm. he started, mm. you know, nervously, got better... Uh, he, uh, but I'm, I'm still not 100% convinced that he mm. is the class act he sort of should be, A, for mm. that money, and B, to be in that I, team. I think you're right. I think at this yeah. point, we would want to not even be asking that question. We would want to be you know, solid and confident. And he does have the mistakes how, in between how, the culture. How many, how many seasons does he have with us now? Is this his third season? My third, I think. I can't remember. Off See, you, mm. you'd have thought by now that yeah. with the coaching that he's getting from Pep, Mm. and the players he's got around him, that a lot of those inconsistencies would have been ironed out. I mean, he, he does have... He has games where he plays absolutely brilliantly, and he's a very good distributor of the ball, and I actually like him as a player, but mm. he's prone to the odd brain fire. Well, in fairness to he's had injury issues, hasn't he? And, and there's right. a, I know nothing about this, but you know, it re- reportedly there's been some domestic problems for him as well. I, whether that impacts on his performance on the pitch, I have no idea, but it's, it's, a, it's a headline It's and yeah. debatable. I think he's the type of player, maybe because he's English and he had a lot of promise when he was younger and he's come for big money, he'll have 10 excellent games at defence playing the type of football, the style that Pep wants. No one says anything. He makes one mistake that leads to a goal, leads mm. to a chance, mm. puts us in yeah. danger, and the press jump on it. And mm. fans as well jump on it. I, I actually think he's improved a lot. The last couple of years, I think it was last season he played every game effectively with Laporte until November, December when he did his hamstring. And the two of them together looked brilliant. And maybe he's never quite recovered the confidence or or had the run of games. Pep likes him, I think. Um, I'd expect him to... Now that company's gone, now that Laporte's injured, the onus is maybe on him more than anyone else to step up and and be that leader at the back. I I think he will. I like him. I mean, certainly the fact that uh, company wasn't replaced. I know there was the Maguire thing. It, you would imagine would be a great uh, vote of confidence in Stones because he and Laporte, Otamendi, they would be the the main three. You would think that to get you through the whole season. So you would think that was a, a vote of support. So we'll have to see, won't we, what happens in the next couple of games? Who is your man of the match, Steve? David Silva. 
Yeah. He had a sublime mm. game again. Um, the only... Um, his goal, brilliantly taken. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Raheem's pass... That was a fantastic move from start to finish, actually. It was, it Raheem's was pass amazing. was measured, and you can tell that he's been playing with David and Kevin yeah. for a long period. You know, to, to actually just spot that, the fact that David was going to run in. He's not a natural finisher, Silva, but you look at him and he looks at the ball come down and he, his eye doesn't move from the ball. He knows where the keeper is. He knows where that... And he just puts it straight through the guy's <laughs> legs. He was a yeah. brilliant player. I'm going to miss him so much when well, he stops well, playing for City. Well, well, that was... You know, some the, the really great goals are ones when you watch them three, four, five times. They almost grow in stature. And I thought this was an absolutely fantastic goal. And actually, David Silva started that move just yes. outside the penalty yeah. box. You know, the cameras sort of swayed, you know, towards the, 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 the offence, you know, but he's tracking it all the way, speculatively. And you can see as Raheem Sterling gets that ball, there's a sort of the connection thing going on. He's running through, running through, speculative, brilliant from Raheem. And a brilliant, brilliant finish. I thought it was a oh, it's superb. really I, classy goal. I've said yeah. before, I'll say it again, Stephen. Um, he's supposedly leaving at the end of the season. Shouldn't City make him an offer he can't refuse? I mean, he's such a good player. He's arguably, I think, probably the best player we've ever had. And he's, you know, I mean, when you get match the day commentators saying, this guy's sensational, he's still, what, he's 32, 33 now, That's still right. sensational. Shouldn't be thinking about even if we only played him for like 15, 16 games next season, should we think about offering him X million pounds to stay? Yeah, well, he's, he's the best player that I've seen in my lifetime at, yeah. at City, the, the quality and the longevity of that. I think he's made up his mind that this is his last season, so he's going. And if we gave him another year on his contract to be a bit part player, I think that would benefit the squad. It, it may help someone like Foden to you know, just coach him for another year and, and ease him in. But I think Silva's made up his mind, so let's just enjoy him for the last few months while we can. And we can't discuss this match without inevitably discussing VAR, uh, Steve. I mean, I was right alongside that incident, uh, you know, and, and I've never seen anything more of a stonewall penalty in my life. What do you make of it? They, they, they seem to have this thing about they are not going to overrule yeah. the referee on the pitch. There was another incident at Stretford yesterday yeah. where Klopp, Kloppity Clip was getting angry about that. And actually, you look at it, and that also was a foul. Of course whether, it was a foul. Whether it was enough of an obvious error by the referee not to have given it. That, but, I, but that's, I, you know, I, either it's a foul, I mean, it's a yeah, stupid... I agree. They've boxed themselves it's, into it's, a corner. It's, it's either a foul or it isn't a foul. And if it yeah. is a foul, it shouldn't have been a goal. The, the, there's, I think there's, they talk about this subjectivity and raising the bar. And we talk about offside decisions being binary. There's also a fairly for me, a fairly binary decision in respect of a foul. If I put my elbow in your face as I go up for the ball, that's a foul. Mm. That's a binary decision. You don't have to sit there at a television screen and watch it a million times to actually get the gist of it. De Bruyne was pushed over by Saha. The bit that annoys me is the fact that the referee on the pitch did not give that. Not so much the VAR review of it, the referee on the pitch should have given it. Mm. It's all day a penalty for me. Stephen, your views? I'm, I'm probably not as... As strong on that. I, I think the way that we've seen VAR implemented, when the ref's not given that as a penalty, there's no way that's being overturned. No, and to be fair, De Bruyne didn't appeal that much. When it wasn't given, he, I jogged, he just resigned to it now. Yeah, he jogged back to um, his mark because it was a goal kick and, and the players didn't crowd the ref. There was no anticipation it was going to be a penalty. I think it's one, if it's given, 
you can't overrule it and say it shouldn't be a penalty. But the way that they're using VAR, they're never going to overturn something that isn't 100% obvious, and I don't think that so, one was. So what's the, you know, they'll have to ask yourself, what's the bloody point of it then? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> why, why, why waste, why waste two minutes shouts. reviewing something you're not going to turn? There was, I, there was one Silver, on David, David Silver, yeah. and I think yeah. one on Rodri earlier this season yeah. was pulled to the yeah. ground. Yeah. Before we conclude on, on, on the game uh, this weekend, uh, just a word about Edison, because I, I often thought, you know, everyone's always a fantastic goalkeeper, and I've been sort of super cynical. I've said to myself, yeah, but he didn't have much to do. Uh, but actually, I thought on Saturday that turned itself on its head because he didn't have much to do, and yet when he did have something to do, what a couple of saves. Oh. You know? And that, I think, takes some doing, doesn't it, to, have, to stand there watching yeah. the game pass you by, as it were, and then suddenly pull off a save or two like that is hats off to the guy, yeah? I mean, he didn't really didn't have anything to do at all, did he? Till when was that? When was, who who gave him that? Had eighteen yeah, minutes exactly. or something? I mean, yeah, it was it was absolutely full stretch, tip tip. Money, their goalie played a blind in the second half too, didn't he? He did. Yeah, he did. H- but... Hitler denier. Yes, you know that story. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a legend, but not so he's never heard of Hitler. He's a good goalkeeper, though. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> um, that's what Edison's there for. We know how good he is with his feet and how important he is at the back as someone you can bounce passes off. He doesn't have many saves to make in a game, yeah. but uh, the Benteke had it. It was brilliant. Yeah. It was unbelievable save, and then he made another one in the last few minutes as well. And what do you, just as a last thought before the break, what are your thoughts when you go to Selhurst Park? Because when I, 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 love, I love going to Crystal Palace because I think their fans are fantastic. They make so much noise. Mm, yeah. And they're always jolly. And I've, I've never had any problem at Selhurst Park at all. But, you know, you're walking into a, a ground that's... It's like 90, going back into the 1950s. I mean, for, particularly for the away fans. I mean, that crummy little corner they show you where there's one lady's loo, apparently. I saw the, the, the women... That wasn't working, according to my mum, who was there. It wasn't even working <laughs> on Saturday. They had to get some sort of disabled <laughs> bump into the chairman on the train going up to Manchester I'll, have, I'll tell him that because he's a nice guy he's a very, and they're lovely people but what a place it is you know it's, it is sub-1950s isn't it yeah very old school small but do we like it because of that or do we, do we have we got too soft it's nice a couple of times a season isn't it we used yeah. to be Fulham you know Fulham and, uh, and Palace those, yeah. those are the two classic old style grounds aren't they yeah well, good luck to him anyway. They're, they're not, and Hodgson's a nice guy. I've met Hodgson a couple of times. He's a decent guy. I, I hope they survive. Apart from anything else, for those of us who live in London, it's very convenient. Uh, we're going to take a break there. Think you know everything about Frank Sinatra? Then think again. Award-winning Richard Shelton brings Frank Sinatra's story and his iconic songs to life in a new show at Wilton's Music Hall That's in life. London, October the 22nd, through to November the 2nd. Go to wiltons.org.uk and grab your tickets now. Shut down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. Okay, let's look ahead now. Let's look ahead to the Champions League and uh, Atalanta uh, at uh, the Etihad uh, tomorrow or Tuesday. Um, I don't know. I, I'll be quite honest. Until we were drawn against Atalanta, I don't think I ever heard of them. But the third, of course, in Serie A, aren't they? And I saw that on Saturday, and this perhaps is encouraging, they were three up against Lazio, but they only drew three goals. They're letting three goals in the set. What, what do you know about them? Anything? I mean, how do you rate our chances, Steve? Very little. Yeah. And I think that it could, it could turn out to be one of those games where you get a team that comes to the Etihad and they just park the bus to defend. 
or they start to attack us and we end up spanking them like we did last year when uh, the Russians came, which mm. I loved that game, actually. I was at that game. Yeah. Fantastic game to go to. Um, no, I don't know a great deal about Atalanta. I've not really had much contact. I wouldn't even be able to name one of their, no, I wouldn't their players. Stephen? I think one player is my limit. Zapata is a striker. He scored a few this season. Yeah, I, I don't know a lot about them, but to finish in the top four in, in yeah. Italy and to yeah. be doing, you know, looks like they're doing the same again this season, mm. you know, suggests they're a good team. Pep thinks that they play nice football. I think he expects them probably to come and have a go at us and, yeah. and pass out, but they've not got a point from their two games so far. And back to back games against them, you think if you can win both of them which means we'll have 12 points from four games, you're through, you're probably going to finish top and, and maybe you can have rest players the last Danger couple of, of games. Dangerous complacency, perhaps, given, the, given their track record, given the fact that we're... Possibly, a little bit. They've banged in 21 goals in eight. Uh, they've got this Maurizio Sarri-style manager that Pep likes and uh, complacency is not going to work for us at all. Mm. I think we want to be a little bit careful and respectful and we should... You know, I mean, Pep made some comments after, which yeah. he sort of qualified today uh, at the press conference conference in Manchester, but he essentially said after the Palace game that we're not, you know, not, we're not going to win the Champions League unless we right. score more goals and we're sharper in front of the box. And that has got to apply for every single game. It's got to apply mm. tomorrow, hasn't it? Well, that, it goes back to what we were discussing earlier about the Palace game and some of the other games this season. We've, our strikers have got to hit the net, as have our mm. midfielders. We've, we've got to make more of the chances. You can't go through games having 27, 28 chances, 10 of which are on target, and only converting mm. one or two of them, especially given the defensive problems we've got at the back. So Pep's absolutely right. I mean, assuming we're going to win this group, or we're going to go through it, which I think is a reasonable assumption so far, how do you, Stephen, rate our chances, champion? I mean, the best we've done is semi-final against Real Madrid under Pellegrini, isn't it? Uh, mm. How do you rate our chances of bettering that? I think a lot depends on the form and, and opponents at the time. Um, you know, if we were to come up against some of the big leading lights of Europe, playing as we have done the past couple of months, you wouldn't really fancy our chances. I get the sense there's more of a, an energy on the Champions League this season. We've done back-to-back in the league. We've shown we can do that. I just get the sense, looking from the outside in at the club, this is now the one thing that Pep's not won at City. There's more noises around, you know, that's the trophy he needs to win to prove how good he is. I, I think he'll go all out this season for the Champions League, so I don't think we'll be complacent. Would you, would you Spencer, would you give uh, Foden a run out t- tomorrow night? Um, give, give one of the, the midfielders a rest? I would say yes. I mean, I do think that Champions League, whether they say or they don't say, will be our top priority for this season. So I think that it's going to be a full-strength team every game, I think, because I don't think there'll be any chances taken. I, I would give Foden a run out personally, <laughs> but I don't think it's in my gift, and I suspect that will revert <laughs> to type and bring him on, perhaps, if we're doing well at some point in the second half. I do think also, I hope there's a, a good crowd tomorrow, yeah. because this is a game that, um, that the support needs to be there every game. I think they've, they've reduced the ticket prices to 15 quid or something. Yeah, that's cheap. Yeah. Um, but I hope there's a good crowd and a good, a good energy around the, the game. The encouraging thing, Steve, I suppose, about, uh, about from the Champions League point of view is that by the time we get to the nitty-gritty, the tough, really, really tough bits, hopefully Laporte will be back, hopefully Sane will be back. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'll... gritty, we're talking, what, February, February yeah. time, mm. aren't we, when it reconvenes? So he should be certainly on his way to fitness at that point in time. So I think we'll be stronger come the latter stages of the, the Champions mm. so League. So how do you rate our chances of success then? I'd be quite happy if we got 
to the semi-final. And I know that sounds, I know that sounds as, as though I'm being a bit down on us, but given the way we've gone out in the last couple of years, actually, that will be my first target. We've got to get to the semi-final. If we can win that and get to the final, brilliant. And we do have to win it at some stage or other. I'm not sure whether we're quite ready this year. We've been a little bit flaky at times. Yeah. Norwich. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mega flaky. Yeah. Well, yes. we've sort of been saying Wolves that for a while, though, haven't we? Or, you know, are we, are we, get it? Are we, are we ready? I think we are ready in the sense that we've got the qualities in the team yeah. at, at, at playing to our potential to win the Champions League, no question. But, you know, it's those tightest of margins, isn't it? It's that little slip. It's the, you know, we've gone out on very, very tight margins and you will need a little bit of luck along the way as well. The so bit, why can't it be our season this season? The bit that worries me, I'm mean, going back to your question about Foden, is that he's as good a midfielder. OK, maybe he's not as long in the tooth as David Silver and he hasn't got the experience, but I don't think you'd lose anything by playing Foden over one of the other midfielders. Mm. If anything, I think you get a bit of youthful exuberance yeah. that kind of shines through. Rest. So I, I, I don't see why we shouldn't be using him a little <laughs> yeah. bit more. I've, I've not, never been one to say, give Foden a chance, throw him in, Pep's handling him badly. But you look, we've had a game a couple of days ago. David Silva's going to struggle to play another 90 minutes after that. Mm. De Bruyne has just come back after a few weeks off. Gundogan's better in his holding, deeper role. Surely you, you give Foden a chance. You can argue, I, I, I guess what we'll see is maybe Mares come in on the right and Bernardo shift more central. But it, it just is crying out for Foden. Mm. Yeah. All right, on to the controversial bit. Um, in view of event, recent events, should we continue to boo the UEFA anthem Stephen Steve uh, that's a bit of fun isn't it really it's not I don't it think it's a bit I, of fun well, it, it kind what of, booing yeah. well <laughs> I, I guess I, I guess it's almost it's almost City, City have got a long held City fans have got a long held reputation for irony and sarcasm and you know I do think UEFA bring it on themselves somewhat with their attitude to life and the way that they they kind of go about their business and I don't really see that it does any harm one way or the other. But does it do any good, Spencer? I mean, and, well, and, yeah. I've got to disagree with you there, Steve. I think we should be above all of this yeah. nonsense. I don't think we should be like uh, the rabble that are in our the House of Commons. Not that we want to go off topic, but I think we should have respect for the institution for the uh, competition that we're in, that we wish to win, and I don't think booing sits alongside it. And I don't really think it's ironic, actually. I think it's just more sort of just annoyed-ish. I don't know. I think think? we've made the point, at the very least. I mean, it's happened so many times now. I think it's... I I think it's... I agree with you, Spencer. I think... Give it a break. What, what about you, Steve? Yeah, at times, I think now I, I forget why we boo. It's, yeah. it's just one of those things that you do now. You boo the, the Champions League anthem. Well, it started, it started uh, in Portugal, didn't it? Yeah, with the with Porto Balotelli. away. Yeah. Yeah. Pep, it's pretty clear he wants us to stop and, and turn that sort of negative energy into to positive and support yeah. the team and, and create an atmosphere that is driving the players forward rather than anti-UEFA. <sighs> Yeah, I've not got a strong opinion either way. The fans get behind it. At least it creates an atmosphere of sorts. But um, maybe it's just one of those that it's on the players just to give us a performance See, in Europe. And, I, and turn I raise that it because it raises another issue for me. And that, I, I do Twitter, right? And um, I constantly see on Twitter um, 
allegations from City fans, good people, I'm sure, uh, saying, ah, oh, it's all part of a plot by UEFA and the, uh, the yeah. Premier League and the media and Sky Sports in particular to do down City. And I come away from, I read these things and I yeah. think, you know, give it a rest. You're paranoid. You know, I mean, I, now, am I alone in thinking this? Or no, do, 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 totally some of, no. do some of you think, <laughs> do some of you think there is actually, uh, a, a, maybe an unstated but subconscious sort of attitude amongst like your way for executive amongst Premier League um, uh, and the media, and you throw up me whatever you want about the media, amongst the media to do down City because they're envious, they're green with envy about the money we've got and the success we've had. All right, Steve, start. No, I, 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 well, I agree that there are people actually that believe there's an agenda. I don't believe there's an agenda. I think that it, the only agenda in relation to... European football that's ever been there are the people that the haves i.e. the Bayern Munichs the Liverpools, the Uniteds the Barcelonas, the Real Madrids wanting to keep their piece of the pie that's the only agenda that I actually believe sits there somewhere in the background the rest of it, there can't be a conspiracy about things going against us you know, VAR is VAR, it happens you see things, incidents happen on the pitch all the time, all the games it's not specifically against City, it just People get things wrong from time to time. But I think we, we've got to stop being this sort of injured, wounded animal yeah, I agree. With, with a chip on I our agree. back and actually just get on and prove them wrong, win the bloody competition fair yeah. and square, and that will shut them up. It's not so much a chip on our shoulders as an entire fish supper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what about you, Stephen? Do, do you think that there is any, any hint? I mean, the me- tell me about the media. Come on, make no, it. I don't Alleged what you like about my business. No, I don't think there's any agenda, a media-wide agenda. I think there's definitely journalists and, and individuals who don't like the club and don't like the way in which we've gone from kind of mid-tier to now top-tier and, and pushing the, the established hierarchy. But it's not as if the press all get together before the season and well, think, exactly. oh, we're going to have a go I mean, and I, all, I, all the refs congregate yeah. in a room and think let we'll me, give every decision against City. That, that's nonsense. It doesn't happen. I mean, let me reassure those who, who are of this Maybe mindset. Maybe you weren't invited. I mean, I've been in the business, <laughs> I don't do much now, but I've been, I was in the business for more than 50 years. All right, I never worked in a sports department, but I knew the sports guys. I know a lot of football writers. I know how television works and how Fleet Street works. Believe me, there is no meeting at, at 9 o'clock in the morning saying, what can we, how can we do down City today? And just doesn't happen you know it just does not happen so lay off city fans on twitter for heaven's sake because it's getting to the point where i'm embarrassed by it now are you well um yeah lay off <laughs> back up because the other thing the other thing that of course crops up and in, in this in this area of oh they're, they're, they're trying to do down city is this christmas fixture pilot now i think to expect City to play, or any team, in fairness, to play two games in four to six hours in the Premier League is ridiculous, Frank. And that's, that's not the Premier League. Well, it is the Premier League. It's kowtowing to telly, isn't it? Well, that, that's, that's the problem. It's the fact yeah. that you, you've got Sky and BT and this year, to a degree, Amazon, Amazon actually determining the fixtures mm. that they want to show and therefore we have to curtail to that. And I guess... It's a bit of a two-headed beast, really, to be fair. Um, you know, we want the television company's money yeah. because that's where it comes from. That's what funds us having these great teams. So we've got to be prepared to at least meet them halfway. Whether it actually has an impact on 
teams like City, Liverpool's ability to win things like the Champions League when you, you end up playing on a Saturday and then again on the Tuesday, for example. I'm not sure. I mean, mm. I don't, there's quite a quick turnaround whilst the, champion, you know, the European games are going on. At Christmas, it just emphasises that, that, little, that little bit more. A lot of it's tradition. Boxing yeah. Day. Oh, sure, and, but and two that, games in 46 yeah. hours? I mean, yeah, it was always crowded, wasn't it? Even way before Sky. Christmas yeah. was, you know, the defining period. And then yeah. now throw in Sky and the fixture lists and this gets moved there and there and there. And you end up with a, with a real mishmash. And I, 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 sorry, go on, I was going to say, Pep made the point. It's not really a City thing. It's you can't expect the players to be at their best when they're having to play with so little time in the middle. And it therefore impacts the quality of, of the product yes. that TV companies are showing and God knows what uh, state they'll be in at the And it'll be interesting to see what the gates are because, you know, how, how can fans afford so many games uh, so, so qu- quickly after, after each other? I mean, it's a lot of money to shell out. And, you know, at a particular mm. period like Christmas when they're buying Christmas presents, etc., etc. You know, but they don't think about the fans, do they? I, don't, no. I think that the, television, the bosses in television who, who dictate these things... Uh, have the fans at the back of the mind rather than the front. Yeah. But, you know, why is it on the continent they do have mid-season breaks of a sort and we yeah. seem to be the only ones that do not? You know, what, what, what is, it, is our brand and yeah. British football, you know, media rights more important? I'm, I'm, and I'm not sure it necessarily needs a break, but I think we just need to space things out a little bit better. Yeah. All right, final thoughts. Um, I was watching uh, the United-Liverpool game uh, on telly yesterday afternoon and a mate of mine tweeted, he said, I've just found myself, I've just found myself cheering Man United. I feel dirty. He said, I feel ashamed. I said, you need, you need therapy, mate. But I, did, I didn't cheer through them throughout the game, but I must confess I cheered when they scored. What about you, Spencer? Oh, it was a big yelp of pleasure. Um, a very weird sensation. Uh, but no, we you know we know who our who our rivals are this season. I'm afraid to say Stratford are, are no threat whatsoever and won't be this season. But would um, you rather? Would you rather? So you would rather United do down Liverpool than just well, lo- just lose? Uh, there was that old thing. Would you? Would you? If United got relegated, would you be happy for City not to win anything? Yes, that's that sort of that was a thing. I, I and I, I, I'm not I'm not in that category. No, no but in this particular game. Uh, it did stop Liverpool, actually, with their run of 18, which gave yeah. me a mild um, sense of uh, comfort as well. Yes. Uh, and actually, uh, United really put on a great performance, and they could have... Well, they did in the first should, half, that's sure. Yeah. Kind of should have won the game, really. So, yes, I'm afraid I was um, a little bit smiling. What about yesterday. you, Steve? What, I, I would you also, rather see United lose at any cost, uh, no matter no, what the cost of City? No, or, not, no. Not, not anymore. It, you, when United were strong... Hmm. and that I used to see them as a danger and a rival, then yes. But now I've, I've kind of got used to the fact that they're not, they're not really our closest rivals. Yes, there's the, the City part of it. City United has always been a big thing, you know, the derby. But the upshot of it is I don't really see them as a threat at the moment. And, and that's not trying to do them down. They were, for a long period of time under Ferguson, they were the biggest thing in this country. And I absolutely loathe them. Now I've got to that point where... It's an inconsequence, you know. I was pleased that they got Liverpool pulled back down to ground a little bit yesterday. Stephen? Yeah, you, you've got to be pragmatic. If Liverpool are our main rival at the minute, we need them to drop point. So you'd like United to lose 36 games a season and beat Liverpool twice, if that's hmm. what helps us the most, which it did. We'd have all taken a point, I think, before the game, um, a piece between them. So, yeah, Liverpool, we've, we've gained two points this weekend on Liverpool yeah, and we've had a tough away game. It's interesting, isn't it? It's only six points in it now. Got to play them. Um, 
you know, Liverpool aren't looking that well, fantastic, are they? Well, I'll tell you what. So, again, uh, someone tweeted today, I keep talking about Twitter, I'm promoting Twitter, but someone tweeted today saying without their two best players, uh, Salah and VAR, uh, <laughs> they, don't, they don't look that impressive. And actually, they didn't look that impressive yesterday. They, they didn't, I thought in the first half, I don't, they yeah. didn't turn up at all, did they? So it's quite encouraging from our point of view. But they've, they've had, what, a keeper blooper against Sheffield United yeah. to get the win. They had a last-minute penalty, which is another defensive mistake, I think, at Leicester. Yeah. You know, they've been winning without playing well. You just hope that maybe this seeds that doubt into them. Yeah. Hey, guys, thank you very much indeed. My, my debut as uh, presenter of the show, it's been a real pleasure. So thanks to uh, Steve, Steve Allwise, thanks to Steve Cox, and thanks to Spencer uh, Benson, uh, Debson. Sorry. Uh, thank you all very much indeed. Enjoy uh, tomorrow's game. Cheers. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.